Do you ever wonder why you do what you do? I had one of these moments uh, this past uh, holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend, and we, our family went on vacation to um, Grandy, Colorado, and we just had an incredible time together. We uh, just had some fun things in Winter Park, eating out and that kind of thing. That's what I like to do, so that's what my family likes to do. And we also kayaked in the Grand Lake. And then there was one thing that we, that we did that was just so, so much fun. We rented some ATVs, and we just went up in the mountains near that area and just had a blast for five hours from 12.30 until 5.30. We had two ATVs that could take two people and then one Razor that could seat four people. And so there were seven of us, and so we just had a blast um, exploring all the trails. If you can imagine going on these roads that are somewhat narrow, you know, 40, 45, 50 mile an hour at the top speed on these ATVs and this razor and just navigating, just getting dirt in your, you know, face. And, and this is my family. This is what we looked like. This is awesome, you know. There I am. There's my wife. And I don't know who the rest of these are, but they just joined, <laughs> just joined in. But it was so much fun. And it was in this experience that I had one of those moments where I just said, why did I do what I just did? And it was um, towards the end of the day, and really the only time that we stopped uh, for the day was either to take a picture like you just saw there, or to change out drivers, because we wanted everyone to have um, the experience, right, of either driving the Razor, that four-seater, um, or one of the ATVs, and, and towards the end of the day, you know, you got to where you could kind of really enjoy either one or the other, and it became clear kind of who enjoyed what and that type of thing. Well, we were deciding who was going to drive which vehicle, and um, it was the last ride of the day because we knew we needed to get back by 5.30, and I was in the passenger seat of the Razor, the four-seater, and... Um, my son-in-law was in the other ATV, and my, one of my daughters was in the other ATV. And we were deciding that the two ATVs were going to go on a, the, one of the narrow trails because the Razor couldn't fit, and then the Razor was just going to zip down the other and go home, or go back. And I looked at my daughter, and I, without even saying anything, I just said, <laughs> and she goes, and she walks over, because you had a helmet on, right? You can't speak. And so, anyway, so we switched, and I got on the ATV, and she got in. I don't remember if she drove or she sat in the passenger side. But we went on. And let me tell you, I mean, when I did that, you know, what my thought process was, man, I paid for this, right? I'm the dad. You know, I'm going to have some fun. And let me tell you, it was absolutely amazing. We went this narrow trail and we went down, and there's rocks, and there was mud, and we went up, and I almost flipped over with my daughter, other daughter, and it was just a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. But in the back of my brain, um, I'm going, man, I, I know I just did something stupid there. I'm not really sure, you know, and you just you know, it gnaws at you, and that's just what it was doing. And, and I went back. And we went back to the house that we were staying, and um, I just remember thinking, man, 
why did I do what I just did there? Why did I feel I needed to pull the dad card and satisfy my desire, right? Rather than let my daughter, who I knew, <clears throat> who I knew, enjoyed the ATV more than the razor. Why did I feel I needed to do that to, to let me experience something rather than letting her experience something incredibly amazing? I mean, I am such an idiot sometimes. I don't know if, am I the only one here? But are you laughing? There must be a bunch of idiots in here. That's all right, that's good. That's good. Right? I mean, that's just what happens to us. We, we do things, whether it's, you know, how we talk with one another or whatever it might be, but we come back out of that and we go, why did I just say? Why did I just think? Why did I just act? Why did I just get angry? Or why did I just do what I did? And I think it leads us even to a deeper question, and that's this question that I asked in the front end was, is why do you do what you do? I mean, that can be a hard question. That can be a really, really hard question, and one that we probably don't think about enough. And it can be confusing sometimes, and it can be hard, and it can be painful to, to think about, right? Because well, what I'm really asking is, is I want you to get down to the real reason why you do what you do every day. When you wake up, when you eat, when you talk with someone, when you go to bed, what you watch. Any of those kind of things. I mean, why do you do what you do? And it's much easier for us, right, to just to go through life and to keep ourselves on the surface rather than going deep and really asking ourselves why we do what we do. And I want us to understand that, and maybe you know this, but maybe you don't think about it, but when we answer that question and we get to the base of our identity, it really right begins to then, or it's linked and it begins to determine right, our purpose in life. What we have at the base of our identity determines our purpose, why we do what we do. I mean, every year, right, every month, every day, every second of our life. It's interesting that, that many of us base our identity, um, right, on what we do. Let me just quickly draw, draw you. You're smiling, good looking hair. That's right, this is what we do, right? We, we base our identity on what we do, whether we're, you know, an engineer. You'll find that I don't spell real well. So if it's weird up there, like the other time I was doing this and I was supposed to spell out fact and it came out fart. And so just <laughs> so you know, if any good thing real is better than perfect here because we're gonna get a lot of that. <clears throat> but, you know, whether you're an engineer, you know, a good cook, or a student, who, what, student, that's a T, um, that really is striving for good grades, it doesn't really, you know, this is what we tend to base our life on, our identity on, and then from that, then we go out, and, and as long as we're getting good feedback, you know, whether it's whatever it is, a father, a mother, 
you know, whatever it might be that you're basing it on, this doing part, as long as it's good, then I'm good, right? And then we just kind of go through this up and down of life, these valleys, and we're really enslaved to um, these insecurities, these fears that we have, and, and this, this, um, this, I think, never-ending cycle of needing to satisfy this here in our life. But there's another way, right? And it's one where we don't need to be enslaved to our fears, one where we don't need to be enslaved to our insecurities, and, and, and really this never-ending cycle of acceptance and, and because that's been broken in this other way. And it's using that same two letters, but we're going to add two more, and they're very important, and it's this. Right? For those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, right, um, as their Lord, as their Savior, the base is different. It's no longer what you do. It becomes now that our identity is based on what God has done for them, for us. And these two letters make all the difference, right? It makes all the difference. Followers of Christ are going to receive a... Oh, forgot to draw my person. Still happy. Right? They're going to receive their identity based on what God has done for them. And they're going to be given a new identity based on the cross of Jesus, right? Um, and his death and his burial and his resurrection. And, and we're going to be defined by what he's done for us, not by what we do. Right? Whether for him or anyone else. And it's such a powerful, powerful thing. Here's the truth for this. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, then this is true for you because you become something new, right? And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that declares that. But you're becoming something new and you're going to be really a radical new person, right? Radical, new. And because of that, it demands that you begin to live a radically new life from that point forward. And that's what we begin to think about. That's what we begin to do. Um, this passage says, therefore, if anyone, right, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, right, a new creation. This new identity, what Christ has, what God has done for you. The old has passed away, right? This whole idea of doing for your acceptance, that's passed away. The new now has come into your life. Just an incredible, incredible, powerful passage. And in the series, we're going to look about these identities, the identity of a follower of Christ. And, and, and it's going to be based on really um, who, who is God, right? Who is God? Um, what has God done? Who are we and what do we now do? And I'm going to go back, but these are our gospel identities. And we're going to see that because of God the Father, right, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that what they have done then produces, right, our identity. And that's these three, family, missionary, and servant. And we're going to take a, take a look at those. We're going to look at family today. We're going to split family into two parts. We're going to look at the first part today. 
second part next week. And then we're going to dive into what missionary means. And then we're going to talk about what a servant means. So let's go into this, um, this uh, graph or this table that I've um, laid out for you here. So the first one, who is God? We know God as the Father. What has God done? He's adopted. <clears throat> Sorry. He's adopted us. That's really what that word says. Who are we? Family. And then now what do we do? What do we do is that we begin to love God and love others. Right? That's the first one. Here's the second one. Is um, the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit has sent us. And then, um, who are we then? Then we are become missionaries. And then what do we do? As missionaries, what we do, we begin to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as we share our faith and as we, um, and then also share and show, right? We share verbally and we show through our actions. And then the third one is the Son, right? What has God done? Jesus has purchased us, right, on the cross. And then who are we? Because of that, we are servants. And then as servants, we serve the King Jesus and we serve others as a foretaste of this future kingdom that God's going to bring in, right? So we serve God, Jesus, and others, right? So this is our gospel identity. Who is God? God our Father. He has adopted us. Now who are we? We are family. Then we, with that, out of that, we love God, we love others. The Holy Spirit, right, has sent us. Who are we? Missionaries. Because of that, we want to share and to show, right, the people that God has put into our life. And then the Son God, as the Son, has purchased us. Now we are servants, and from that, right, this is what we do. We serve God, and we serve others. Sorry. This is our identity. These are our identities. And really, it's this daily process. The life that we live as a disciple is this daily process of connecting who God is, right, and what God has done, this left side of that chart to the right side of the chart to who we are and now what are we to do? That's what we do is we connect this left side to this right side and we base our identity on this left side which then produces right in us this right side in our life. It's no longer about what we do, right? It's now because of what God has done for us. We live out of that as our identity. So the first one is the gospel identity of family. Um, this is where we're going today. And I want us to understand that, that you, um, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are a dearly loved child, adopted by the Father, and that you are now in his family. And your job, so to speak, as an adopted child of God that is in this family 
is now to love him right first and deeply as father. And then from that, you are to love one another. Let's look at that verse that um, Lydia read for us this morning. Romans 8, 15 through 17. I mean, I don't know if you, you get an opportunity to, to uh, mark up your Bible at all, but it would be great to do that, um, whether in your phone or um, in your physical Bible. But, I mean, let's just read this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Such incredible thing that enslaves us. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, as daughters, by whom we cry, this spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, and we're going to talk a little more about this right here, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are that we are children of God. Let, let that sink in to you this morning. That you, if you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, are adopted into his family. And you are now a dearly loved son, a dearly loved daughter of God. Amen. And if children, right, if children, the verse goes on, if children, then heirs. <laughs> Not only are you a child, but you're an heir. There's a will, so to speak. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. And, and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may all be, be glorified with, with him. It's interesting, right, that this phrase, Abba, Father, we read in other places in Scripture with Jesus, right, that, um, that he says the same thing right, in the, right before he goes to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, he is just um, burdened down with the thought of what he knows is coming. And he just cries out to God and he says that Abba, Father. And I want us to understand that that sometimes we, we come at our faith with such a, um, what's a good term? Such a, um, a clinical view to it, right? That there's just precision and um, whatever it might be, rather than, and we want to dismiss our feelings, our emotions, and just um, go at it from uh, all that um, technical parts and, and reading and memorizing and, and Bible study and all of that, and which is all necessary and good, but we tend to um, set aside this emotional part, this attachment that, that I feel like Scripture says that we are to have um, if Jesus is our model, which he is, by the way. Did you know that, that you are to bear, or you are meant to hear in your spirit? I don't know if this has happened to you, but you're meant to hear in your spirit the same thing that Jesus heard, right, when he, when he was baptized by John the Baptist. Do you remember that story that God um, um, shared words with those that were around that these words here specifically in Mark 1.11, it says, you are my son 
You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I mean, it's, it's such a, it can, if we really think about it, that really the God of the universe who's saying this to his son, Jesus, what you're saying is that, that I too can hear that, that, that my God, the one who has adopted me as a son, as a daughter, that I can hear this too, that you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And that's exactly what Scripture is saying to you this morning. That's what Romans 8, 15 through 16 talks about. That knowing God as, far, as our perfect father is the best thing in this Christian life, right? It's the best thing in the Christian life, and it also satisfies the deepest longing of our heart. I mean, that's just a true, true statement. Listen again to this verse. For you did not receive a spirit, right, that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship or adoption, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so we are designed to live in a family. That's what we're designed to do. Our highest privilege, our deepest longing, our deepest need is to experience the Holy God as our as our perfect, loving Father. And then from that, to approach him, right, to approach him without fear and to be assured of his incredible family, fatherly care and concern for our life. Paul tells us in that verse, right, that the Holy Spirit testifies that to us and, it, and the Holy Spirit causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. Now, this word Abba is, um, is this Aramaic word that expresses a very intimate family relationship. And up until this point, clear from when God created the earth until now, God was looked at really as something just a little bit different, maybe removed from them, or definitely removed from them, right? And it's interesting that when Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, that he is introducing something brand new to them, something that they just didn't understand, but he's introducing something that's going to be as revolutionary for someone who is coming to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And it's this word that, that they would have known what it would have meant, in the sense saying that it was a, it's um, describing a, a complete trust and dependency that a child would have who is wholly secure in the loving arms of their dad. I mean, this church has a lot of young babies here, right? And we see this, I think, played out every Sunday. And when you watch and when you see a child, right, I'm greeting you this morning. And I was greeting a couple and they had a son, a, a son, a little son in his arms. <laughs> Sorry. Words are hard sometimes. And, uh, and I, they introduced themselves to me, and then this is our son, and I won't say the name. And he was so cute, right, but so reluctant to, to shake hands with this older gray-haired or white-haired individual. And, but he was clung tightly to his dad, and that's just kind of this picture of us, that he was completely trusting of his dad, but yet 
a little bit leery of this guy who's trying to shake his hand, and rightly so. But I just love that picture that God gives us. That's what we're to be like with our Heavenly Father. And I don't know if we've gotten there sometimes. I don't know if we fully understand, right, that we are an adopted child of God. And when the Holy Spirit takes residence in our life, that we cry out, Abba, Father. And we get to this point where this can be, right, we speak this truth to our life that, that Kevin, you are my child whom I love dearly and my attention is focused on you and with you I am well pleased. Can you imagine if I lived my life, lived my life with that truth as reality every moment, how I would live differently? With my wife, with my daughters, with their husbands. With our dogs? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was meant to be a joke, not really. <laughs> but right, I would begin to live differently. How I interact with you, how I interact with people on the road. And by the way, I'm not going to mention that. Yeah, I probably will. I mean, man, when I lived in Dallas, I began to develop a sense of road range. And I'm just really praying that when God knew what he was doing when he moved me to Omaha, that that just wouldn't continue. So keep praying. <laughs> anyway, it, it's, it's good. It's, I'm a much older person now, but it's a very real thing. Anyway, um, so when we acknowledge, right, that our sin, and this is what it comes down to, is that we are all spiritual orphans in this world, right? Our rebellious nature and our sinfulness has cut us off from God. And Scripture is very clear that, that nobody is born a child of God, right, which means that there has to be some kind of adoption process. And this adoption, I mean, we're, we're going through that alongside our oldest daughter and her husband. And the adoption process is just really expensive. And the cost for this was the life of his son, Jesus. And so we acknowledge that we need to go through this. And when we acknowledge that our sin has severed us from this relationship with the Father, and that Jesus is this grace, glorious and gracious payment, right, of that sin, then we begin to, when we, when we understand that, then we accept this free gift of grace offered, right? And the Holy Spirit then comes into our life and that's when we cry out, Abba, Father. Because why? Because this deepest longing that we've had clear back from when we were born is now finally met. And we get to cry out that. I'm not naive enough to, to think that everyone here had a great dad because that, I know that's not true. Um, no one's had a dad like God, right, on this earth. All of us have sinned. Lord knows that I know that I have not been a good dad to my girls all the time. And so I know that this can be a struggle for us sometimes because we haven't always got what we wanted or needed from our human fathers. But here, Jesus, here God is saying to us that in God, 
through his son Jesus Christ that you can now have the pleasure of, the, of a perfect, holy, um, ever-present Father in heaven who is a creator, omnipotent, who is powerful everywhere, lavishing his love on you. And he's saying to you now, he's saying to you now, you are my child, you are my child whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. That's good, right? Right? (laughs) I didn't know if you were still there because the lights are bright and I couldn't tell. I didn't know if you all walked out. But (laughs) this is the the next part in that verse because that was the first part. The next part says that now we are co-heirs, that we are an heir, right? So there's this inheritance here that we are full-fledged members of the family and there's an inheritance waiting for us. Right, If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And so we've been included in the will, so to speak. And there's these things that we are going to inherit, right? This resurrection body that's not going to decay. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> and this new heaven and a new earth. How about an amen for that, right? And there's also going to be amens. Amens, right? Yeah. <laughs> and also we're going to get... To be, spend eternity with the family, right? You and I. I don't know if there's an amen to that or not, but there should be an amen to that, right? In, in a life that's free of right pain and free of crying and free of disease and free of death. Is there an amen to that? There should be, because that's even not the best part. The best part is this, is that we are heirs of God, and this is what the will should read, or what it does read, is that I, God, not me, but I, God, bequeath myself to you, for all eternity. Now that definitely should produce an amen in your heart, if not audibly. <laughs> Thanks. Absolutely, right? This is our inheritance. This is what we've, we are getting as a son, as a daughter. We are in the family circle. We've been adopted into the family of God. We are loved. We're accepted perfectly. And God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, again, I can say this. You are my child whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now the challenge, as you and I all know well, is how do I love or how do I live as a dearly loved child of God and not revert back to not revert back to this old life of being a spiritual orphan. Right? And so here is this truth, right? Every day, this question we need to ask are am I living as a spiritual orphan or am I living as a dearly loved child of God? And so that becomes the question. How do I live with this reality in my life? This is hard, right? It's easy, right, to to go here because that's our nature, right? The thing we were born with. It's hard to go here. That's what we need to progress with. And that's our biggest struggle is to begin to believe, right, who is God, right, what he's done, to believe those things and then allow that to speak into who we are and what we do. 
So here's something that I want um, to help. It's a little tool to help you think through this. This is how you know when you're really going down that orphan route rather than being a child of God. Um, Do you feel alone? Lack of vital daily intimacy with God. Are you full of concern? Right? You can counterbalance that with, you know you're a child of God by you having a growing assurance that God is really my loving Heavenly Father. Orphan, anxious over felt needs, relationships, money, health. I'm all alone and nobody cares. I'm not a happy camper. As opposed to a child of God that trusts the Father and has a growing confidence in his loving care is being freed from worry. The orphan feels condemned, guilty, and unworthy before God and others. I'm right here. Child of God feels loved, forgiven, and totally accepted because Christ's merit really clothes them. Only, only uses God or Lord when praying. Going to God in prayer is a last resort. Calls God Father or Dad in prayer. <clears throat> Turns to God in prayer first in times of need. The Bible promises of spiritual power and joy are empty. God's transforming power and joy are regular experiences. The orphan avoids spending time with God. Child of God enjoys spending time with God. The orphan lacks passion to share the gospel. The Christian life isn't experienced as good news. The child of God loves talking about Jesus. The gospel is experienced as good news here and now. The orphan seeks satisfaction and physical pleasure. The child of God is satisfied in God's love. The orphan is insecure in relationships, concerned about being left out or neglected. The child of God is content in relationships, able to focus on others rather than self. The orphan feels like, or always feels like the sky is falling. The child of God trusts trusts God will provide for every need. The orphan has a hard time giving thanks or praising God. The child of God finds numerous reasons to rejoice in God from a good, good meal to a sunny day. And the orphan, lastly, the orphan is, hard, is often defensive when sensing criticism, often goes into protection mode. And then the child of God doesn't fear criticism because, because is well acquainted with both sin and grace and knows God is a protector. I mean, that's just an incredible, incredible list. And I, just, I want to go back to that Colorado story really my idiot moment remember and what I began to realize as I looked through that list of being a spiritual orphan and being a child of God that I was really um, living in that spiritual orphan part right where um, it says let's see where oh insecure in relationship this is where I was Insecure in relationships and concerned about being left out or neglected. That's where it was. And so what I needed to get to was to really become content in my relationship with God and with my family and others. And I'm able to focus on others, my daughter in that case, rather than myself. And, and I'm, I mean, that's where I got to that night. And it was a good, good thing. But that's what we need to do. That's what we begin to do. And what I want you to do is I want you to begin to think through that list. And if you want that list, you can email me, Kevin at FindingLifeChurch.com, and I would be happy to send it to you. But just think through that list. All right, where am I this week? Where am I today? Or whatever time frame you want to 
to think about, where am I living here on this side, the spiritual orphan side? And what do I need to do to get to this child of God's side? What kind of truth do I need to understand? And if you are in a life group or you're with a group of people that you trust and you love, I mean, ask them. And ask them to help you. Ask them to pray um, with you. And that's really my only thing today for you to do is that right there. The reason why is this. Ezra read a passage of scripture in John 13 that says, in essence, that the world is watching. The world is watching us as followers of Christ and, and seeing how we do this. And if we are progressing, if we're continually linking who God is, what he's done, to now who we are and what we do, we're progressing in that, then something will begin to happen. And something different will be displayed that, that my love for God will begin to show and my love for others will begin to show. And I'll be secure enough that people will begin to know that I am something different and that I am a disciple, that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And they're going to ask me, right, what's different. They're going to ask you what's different in your life. Because here is the thing. Um, our church posts on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm not sure if they do Twitter or not, but one of the things they did was they said, we're so excited for what you know, Kevin and Janet and, and his family to be here today and to share you his vision for the church. And I didn't really do that, and that was on, by design. But I will say this. This is my heart's desire for our time here and for you all, is that we're not just building a church. We're not just building a church, systems and, and all of that. And Jake has done a great job of laying that foundation, but I want to continue that. We're not just building a church what we want to do is establish a family. I believe that at the core of who I am, that God has purposed that we're not just going to do church, that we're not just going to attend church, that we're going to be the church. And to me, that means establishing a family. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. What does that look like to love one another? We're going to sing um, a song this morning. And it's a song that, that you don't, you probably, well, you have not sung it here before. Um, but it's a song that is it means a lot to me, and it comes from the words of Romans 8, 15 through 16. And I don't know where you're at spiritually today. I don't know if you are here and you're just exploring your relationship with Christ, and that's okay. We love that you're here. And I pray that, that these words God will use to penetrate deeply in your heart. And maybe you're going to say, I surrender. Or, or, or maybe you're here and you just have not ever really had that Abba experience where 
you've said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've never really gotten to that point where you've really embraced him as dad. My name is Kevin Andrews, and I'm daddy's little boy, right? You've never experienced him as dad, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit will wash over you this morning and just allow you to Break away the hardness, the scales that are there, and just allow you to weep with joy about the Father who loves you. So you can stand if you want. You can sit. um, You can kneel. Whatever you need to do. Um, You can sing along. You can listen. um, You can pray. Whatever it is, well, let's worship together.